Pastor Troy, and you're on the dock with us here. We're glad to have you with us today. I'm on the dock with, oh, we're going to have a good time. Got my lovely wife next to me. Let me get you introduced to the show. I know you're enjoying our incredible shows that have been going out, and we have got a great one, a new series starting for you today. But let me just remind you real quick, on the dock is all about conversations that will propel your faith out of the shallows and into the deep. That's what we're about. That's what we've been doing. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to keep doing. We're going to bring people to you that can coach you, get you prepared and equipped so you can get off the dock and get out there and live for the greater things of Jesus Christ. Hey, just a reminder, we're available on multiple platforms. Our biggest platform is YouTube. We want you to find us on YouTube if you can. Like us, subscribe, hit like, notify. You can get notified every time we go up. Also, iTunes and Spotify. Got great, great bite there. A lot of people listening that way. You can also use Google Play. You can watch us on Facebook, Roku, Rumble, Sermonette. On Sermonette, it's a little catchy. Uh, Sermonette, download the app or you can watch it on your computer. Roku, if you have Roku TV, you have to actually download the Sermonette app itself and then look for the On The Dock with Pastor Troy channel. We also got multiple social media partners. Let me mention those. Got a brand new one here. We got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, listen to this, Telegram, and we have now added, oh, you don't have the new Getter one in there. Uh, we have it on the bank. Drop those lower thirds. There you go. Far right, lower corner. We've got Getter with us now. We have a new lower third for that. we got to load up. Yeah, but if you if you haven't already, go to those different sides. Again, hit the subscribe, hit the like, hit the notify, share it with other people, get it out there. Also, we'll remind you that we use Patreon. If you want to become one of our partners, we have multiple tiers, and we'd love to have you. We have four different partner tiers. Check that out. That's how you can support us and become a part of our show. And also, we have three different tiers. If you'd like to be a sponsor, you're a business owner, got an organization, you'd like to get stuff out there. We've got three tiers there. Go check it out at my Patreon. Look for On the Dock with Pastor Troy. There's lots of details there. We'd love to talk to you about that. If you've got any other questions, you can always go to us at onthedock.org. That's our website. You can always email us at info at onthedock.org. Our executive uh, uh, director, our executive producer, Donna Karnuski, will get a hold of you, get a hold of me, get all your questions answered. We love that. And just want to tell you, I've got with me today to my right, my lovely co-host, my, my, my lovely wife, uh, Mother Beth Benetton. Good morning, Mother. You doing well this morning? Good. I'm doing excellent. good. How are She's you? Excellent. We're ready to go here. I've also got in the room our techno wizard, our executive director, uh, Lucas Winkler. L Lucas is in the room this morning. He's running all the boards and making sure you see all these good things. And in just a minute, we'll introduce you to our incredible, our incredible uh, guests for the day. Uh, I, the whole series that we're doing here, we kind of put this together just recently. This was kind of inspired. I was over in uh, doing a study. I'm, I'm focusing this year heavily on the book of Matthew. So Matthew's kind of, I'm doing an intensive study. Our church is doing it on Wednesday nights. You can always check out our Wednesday night feeds at Community Faith Church, where I pastor. You can look at the Wednesday services. You can look at those on SermonNet as well, or maybe YouTube or Facebook under Community Faith Church. We've been studying Matthew 7. I went through it heavily earlier this year, and now I'm teaching it more in depth. But when I was in Matthew 25 doing my my, my my planning for this, I got hung up in Matthew chapter 25 in the parable of the talents. And I got thinking, it says in the parable of talents that, you know, you had these guys where they were given five gifts and two gifts and one gifts. Uh, the, the, the owner, the, 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 the master went away. He came back after some time and he said, guys, show me what you've made. The guy with five had doubled it. He had 10. The guy that two had doubled it. He had four. And the guy that had one said, Hey, I knew you were a harsh man. I knew that you were difficult and, and expected a lot. So I went and buried it. And, and, and basically, here's your, here's your one thing back. In other words, he had buried his talent, not used it. The others had really done things that, 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 that they took good care of the money, and they literally doubled it. 
And we know that the man that had 10 was given the one by the servant because he said, take what he's got, give it to the one that did the best. And so the guy that got five, they got 10, he got the 11th. The guy that got two got the four and the guy that had the one and buried it, he got put out. And what it says about the two servants in the Bible, both in Matthew 25, verse 21 and 23, it's identical text, identical text. It says to the two that took their talents and used them for the Lord. It said, the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. It says that for both of the people that took their gifts, their natural talents, they took what they were given and they applied it to the very best they could. And they, they did their lives well. And they were rewarded for doing that. The one that buried the talent, he doesn't quite hear that. He's told he'll be thrown out where there'll be the gnashing of teeth. He'll be separated and he, he doesn't get the well done. And I got really thinking about the concept of well done. And I know this is crazy. I, I, I'm not promoting anything negative here, but I, I just got to tell you where it comes from. I, I, I know it's not good. I was thinking about the Dosecchi's commercial, Beth. The Dosecchi's commercial, Lucas is laughing. Oh my God, where is he going with this? The Dosecchi's. I know it's a beer commercial, but everybody knows the picture of this incredible man. He's the most, he's the most interesting man in the world. Uh -huh. The commercial says, I'm the most interesting man in the world. You know, I'm the most intriguing man in the world. I don't remember what the guy's name is. Anybody remember what the guy's name was? No. He had a name or something, but I don't know. It looks like uh, like like Ricky Ricardo, no. you know, Carlos Montalban. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, he, I mean, he just he, <laughs> I'm the most interesting man in the world, you know. And when I need to drink a beer, I drink Dos Equis, you know. And, and, and everybody wants to be like him because look at him, he's suave, right? He's a guy that everything's well done. So I got thinking about you know, you know, who are some of the most interesting men in my life? Who are some people that I think that have done well? Mm -hmm. Who are people that have touched and influenced me? Uh, people that for me would be my, not my Dos Equis man, but who would be my, my, my Bible man? Who would be my God fearing man? Who would be my God fearing ladies? Who would be those people that I think if, if, if I were asked, uh, these would be some of the most amazing people in my world. And who would I put on the cover of my ad? Troy's most intriguing uh, men and women of God. And so that led me to kind of come up with a list of people. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. This new series is entitled Well Done Lives Well Lived Series. Now, now we're gonna be talking to people that are alive, they're not done. But these are people that I think are my intriguing people of God. And we're gonna be bringing them in the studio and we're gonna let them really, we're just gonna get them on board and let them talk. So you're gonna see a lot of these people come in and maybe do multiple episodes with the conversation because we wanna fit our length. We try to run the podcast 35 to 45 minutes. Every now and then we go a little longer. So, so we'll break these up as needed, but we're gonna bring in some incredible people to talk to you about their lives that are well done, lives well lived. And we're gonna just talk with them because I think they can inspire you like they have me to kind of say, hey, if they can do that, I can do that, Beth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, and we're not going to sell beer here at all, but what we're going to sell is the opportunity for you to experience some incredible things from people on the dock. And then hopefully they'll inspire your lives to get out there and live well. What do you think, Beth? I think it's fabulous. Fabulous idea. Well, we got our first guest in the studio. This is a guest of personal privilege and you know, they're all personal privilege because we invite who we want to invite. That's what we do here <laughs> on the dock here, but, but you seem to be enjoying Thank you for everybody that's listening to all our shows, but, uh, got an incredible guest. He's sitting across the table for me. He is a incredible man. He is a centetarian. 
in just a few days here, November 16th, 2021. He will be a centenarian, which means he is a man of 100 years of age. Not How a about- centurion. Yeah, not a centurion. A centurion is a soldier over 100. <laughs> a centenarian is a man of 100 years. There you go. He's a, he, he's a centenarian, and he is my grandfather, uh, Don Benetton. Don, Grandpa, welcome to the studio here. Thank you. All right, good. He's going to get you. Try, try it again, Grandpa. Welcome to the studio. I'm glad to be here. There you go. You see, he had your microphone on. There you go. I, I, I've got up on the board picture, uh, picture, Grandpa. Uh, what's up on the screen there is actually what's on the TV. Is I've got this is my Grandpa through the ages. He's got. I mean, he's got his young photo there in that hat. You look great in that hat. That's that picture of you in that hat. Man, you look good. Then you got you got his military picture when he's in in the army, and he looks. I mean, very handsome there. He's teaching here uh, in, in a school setting. This is later in his life, and then the lower right picture is just recently this year during COVID. Uh, one of our one of our friends uh, was it our granddaughter Beth. Was one doing, of her friends. One of her friends. I need to do an interview with somebody of Grandpa's age and background, and so he did a Zoom interview with her, and he is all dressed up doing a Zoom interview. So Grandpa's used to this. Grandpa, I, I put four pictures up there because when you're a centenarian, one picture doesn't just cut it. We got to see. We got to see the package. And uh, man, you've had a had a great life, and uh, you're 100 years old. Let me let me let me share this other graphic here real quick. I, I, we 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 are all excited. Your family's all coming together and 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 having an cra- cra- crazy party for you. But but I just want to say to you right now, Grandpa, happy 100th birthday. It's coming up for you here. We're celebrating that with you, and uh, hope everybody out there will, will will give him your his best wishes. Grandpa still uh, lives alone. Uh, he he has his own home. Right. Uh, he, you, did you did you make your own breakfast this morning? Yes, <laughs> made your own breakfast. Car still so, sits in his driveway. He can still drive. It makes you nervous when he does, but he can drive. I mean, he can drive. Yeah, he, he's a good guy. He's got uh, cats outside that are his pets, and uh, he he's got a large yard. How how big is your yard? About half a yard. Well, I mean, you got a, like a half acre. Yeah, half, half acre. acre. Yeah, he's got a half acre, and he mows it himself. Picks up. He's got. He was. I don't know. He's a very smart man. My grandfather is, but he did plant sycamore ball trees, gumball <laughs> trees. It's the one thing he probably wish he never did. They're beautiful trees. They, they're huge, but he has to. He has a constant battle against the sycamore balls. Yeah. When you say yes, you yes. see him out there fighting them. You fight them. Gumballs. The gumballs are his arch nemesis. Yeah. Arch nemesis. But the trees are beautiful. I asked him and said, "Grandpa, why'd you do that?" And he said, "Well, they're pretty today, but they're but they're horrible. We should have gone with oak trees or something like that." Yeah. Yeah, at least the squirrels would have picked the acorns up and you wouldn't have to pick them up. There's nothing good that comes from a gumball. They're just one of those things that the, the Lord gives you a pretty tree and tricks you with the, with the, with the, what falls off it and get, sticks into your feet all the time. So, so Grandpa, welcome to On the Dock. We're glad to have you here. We are honored to have you in our studio. Uh, tell us a little bit about you were born. What year were you born? 1921. <laughs> That's before the Great Depression, right? Yes. Yeah, you, you obviously didn't jump out of a building, but the, you were a child during the Great Depression, I guess. Yes. Did, how did that impact your life being a child in the Great Depression? Uh, you didn't know any different. <laughs> just whatever. It was just part of life. Did you do without stuff or did you, did you, were ever things ever hard to get or did you always have food on the table? We always had something, yes. Yeah, your your parent your parents were, were great providers. They they worked hard. Yes. Yeah, and, and they did it. So hey, people always talk about that. I know Grandma lived on the farms in uh, Tennessee, tobacco farms in Tennessee, and she often talks about the Great Depression having to eat chickens nonstop for weeks and months at a time, or corned beef nonstop. 
Grandma wouldn't even eat corned beef when we were when we were like even in her nineties. She didn't like corned beef because she says I ate it during the depression. I don't want to eat it again. She she had to do that. So it was an interesting time. Grandpa, I, I want to start with these pictures here. You you were born in nineteen twenty one. Um, you 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 where were you born? Heron. In Heron. Were you born at home in the hospital here? Home. You were born in your home. So were you born in your parents' home. In your parents' home. It, it, where you live yeah, now today, you're yeah. right, right there. So if you, I'll, I'll tell you about this. Grandpa lives at 2517 North 13th Street. Don't go visit him, but you can send him a card. He lives there, and his parents were the next door, and was that 2513? 2513. Yeah. So his parents' home was right there. I've seen pictures of it where it was kind of, there wasn't a lot of other houses out there in that time, were, were there? No. No, no, it was very, it, it, the Burns house wasn't there. Your house wasn't there. So it was pretty, it was pretty, you could see all the way to the main road. Yeah. There's one house next to the church. And that's it. That the, it. the Free Methodist Church is nearby. And right. you can see the whole area is a very developed area now. Grandpa built his home on land that his dad gave him adjacent to their home. So he's lived his whole life in either 2513 or 2517 North 13th Street, with the exception of his time with the U.S. Army in World War II when he was stationed overseas. So he has lived in those places pretty much his whole life, other than maybe when he went to college. He lived in McKendree while he was at college and stuff like that. But but he's basically grew up in Heron, Illinois, uh, right near the old Free Methodist Church. Not a church now, it's now a home, but he's he's grown up in that same community, and he's been there the entire time. So how did you... You were born in Heron. How did your parents, uh, my grandparents, how did they get to Heron themselves? How did how did Charlie and Ruby get to Heron? Dad came for a job, coal miner. He's a coal miner. That's the reason he was in Heron. There were coal mines, and they and they came here originally from uh, New Mexico. Yes, correct. And hey, I'll, I'm going to show you something on the dock here. Okay, you're going to love this. I'm going to show it to us now. Up on the screen, Grandpa, is our, our family's citizenship papers. I was studying those. I actually have the original set. They're hanging in my in my living room. The original ones are. Uh, Grandpa gave them to Dad. Dad gave them to me uh, when I had my sons. And I gave my sons one at their wedding days. And my intention is the first one of them that have uh, a male heir is to pass that on to them. And I've got the original. They've got a, They've got a copy of it like this is and we're going to swap them someday but just to point out the, the i was reading this thing i didn't realize how long it took to become a citizen if you read this thing what you find out is in new mexico my grandpa charlie came over his dad was antonio so they came over to be coal miners beth uh -huh. and i what were they mining in new mexico in new mexico Coal. Was it coal there too? Coal. So they came over, they were doing coal there. And it, and it says here on the paperwork, if you go read it, it says that he began the process to become a citizen, A. Benetton, on October 16th, 1894. At that time, Mexico was a territory. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it's not finalized till May 1st, 1915. So the time he filed to become a citizen to the time it was signed. Matter of fact, if you read the back of it, it shows the 1894 date on the left. And if you look down at the lower right, it shows the May 1915 when it was signed. They actually had to cross out where it said territory, and they now wrote in that New Mexico is a state. So originally, he applied to be a citizen in a, in a U.S. territory. And by time the court said, you've done your period of time, and you've you, you're now official. You had you started the petition, then you had to go through a process. It took over ten years 
to make that from the first petition with the court more than 10 years, almost 20, almost 20, almost 20 years to actually or become a legal years. citizen of the United States. And you can see in the middle of the right hand side where he has to swear off his allegiance to the King of Italy. We had to, had to do that. So it took, it took great grandpa, our great, great grandpa took him a while to become a citizen, worked hard. Uh, and and then so so Grandpa Charlie moved here, and you were born here. I, your sister June was born here as well. Yes. And Charles, your brother Charles. Yes. So all of y'all were born in Heron. Yes. Wow. That's, and you're the oldest. No. No. My sister. Your sister June. June's older than you. Yeah. Well, I who would have known that? Yeah. June, I guess June always talked to you like an older sister. So <laughs> so Grandpa 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 has uh, two, two other siblings. Uh, June June's passed. We, we, she's gone home to be at the Lord. And we're, how about Charles? He's gone. Too. He's gone. He's gone too. So you're the last of your, of your siblings living oh, today. Good. Yeah. And, and then grandpa, if you know anything about this, June did not have any daughters. I mean, she had daughters, but she didn't have sons. Hmm. Charles didn't have any sons either. Did he? He didn't have any sons either. He had daughter, right? Mm -hmm. But grandpa was terribly productive in the, in the, in the, in the having of kids. He had one child. <laughs> Grandpa had one child. Let me let me show you. Grandpa had one child, and that one child. I'm gonna show you a picture of the one child because I can do that. All right, upper left hand corner. There's my grandma Mamie. We'll talk about her in a minute. But there's my there's my dad Jerry, the one Benetton heir, the one Antonio Charlie. You have Don and you have Jerry. I mean, they're real productive. They have like all these girls and one son. So you had one son to keep on the legacy. That was it. If dad has all girls, the Benetton name goes into extinction. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yeah, pretty bad. You had to be nervous with that. So, so fortunately, dad uh, did really well. Uh, dad has very good Italian male lineage seed. I'm going to show you this. The upper right-hand picture. Excuse me, guys. The upper right hand picture is my family. So that's my dad, Jerry, in the upper right. I'm the fat kid behind my dad to the right. I'm Troy. My oversight's Todd. And you see uh, Tiffany, my sister. Then underneath me is Trevor, Tyler, and Trent. And that's my mom, Donna. She's with the Lord already as well. But that's our family. Grandpa ends up having five grandsons to carry on the legacy. And you now have 17 great-grandchildren. Hmm. A lot of guys, kids being produced. I mean, we're, we're producing grandkids. So the lineage of Benetones went from one funnel, and it looks to me like it's pretty big. How does that feel, being 100 years old, and knowing that your name and your legacy will live on through the lives of many people you've had impact on uh, for, 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 for ages to come? How do you feel about that? What? I haven't given much thought <laughs> to that, really. Well, is it better? What would happen if you just had one and then it had been done? Wouldn't that be kind of sad? Yeah. It's yeah. kind of nice to see uh -huh. your, you feel a little bit like Noah sometimes. You come out and go, you know, our Abraham and the seeds of the, the sand. My, my grandchildren are like the sands uh, of the sea or the stars in the sky. You're very blessed like that. Right on. I remember Grandpa Charlie. Grandpa Charlie wasn't a man of, of any notable faith. Grandma Ruby was a woman of great faith. Yeah. Grandpa Charlie said he lived on in the, he pointed a finger at us grandkids and he says, I live on in you guys. And, and I'm going to live on well because there's many of you. So Grandpa Charlie was always, he loved his grandchildren. Your dad loved his grandchildren. And we are his legacy. While you're looking at that picture there, to the left of that picture, Lucas, you're going to love this. Uh, the middle picture is... 
to the left of that picture in the middle, that's my grandpa, Charlie. That's my great grandpa. I grew up with my great grandpa. My great grandpa was more like my grandpa than grandpa was. Grandpa was young and vibrant. He had a motorcycle. I'd go to grandpa's house. He worked. He worked. He had a school job. He had an insurance job. Grandpa worked hard. He worked hard in, into his, when he should have retired, he was still working. But grandpa Charlie, I, I never knew grandpa Charlie working. Now, he was a retired coal miner. So, but I never knew him as a miner. I just knew him retired and he had the garden. And so when, when we come up to visit, I come up to visit. As soon as I got up, I went over and hung out at Grandma Ruby and Charlie's. I just walk out the door in my sock and my bare feet and walk across. And Grandma Ruby would have something for me and Grandpa Charlie. And they always ate lunch at noon. It was always good. Grandpa Charlie uh, kind of kept the books up at the Eagles Club. And uh, that's what he did, you know, and he kept his garden. So that's Grandpa Charlie. To the right of that is Grandma Ruby. Uh, she's just a little, little, little firecracker. And uh, then I guess, Don, that's you in the back. The, the woman is, 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 the, is that woman next to you? Is that Mamie or is that June? I can't tell. You can't tell? No. Yeah, I would assume I would assume one of those is Mamie, one of those is June, and the little one I assume is Jerry. And so I thought the reason I put this picture together, I thought you'd enjoy that, is the far left picture is my is Grandpa Don standing with my dad, who's pretty blonde at that time. My dad's got very black hair now, if you see that. And standing with my dad at a tree, that's where his dad's house is, which is I mean, there's only 50 feet between the two houses. Yeah. And then what's great is you got a picture of me back there. My dad and I are both got blonde hair and we both today have darker hair. So I just thought it was interesting to see four generations of Benetones there. Uh, that with, with our grandkids now, we're seeing five and God's really doing a great thing. So, I mean, you're almost like Abraham now. Do you, you, don't, you don't feel like Father Abraham? So, so did you coal mine at all? No. You didn't coal mine? I spent one day in the coal mine. What, what, why one day? I wanted to see what it was. I was interested. It was terrible. <laughs> oh my. Mm. Tell, tell us what did the coal mines look like in what year? About what time would that have been? How how old were you then? 12, 13. 12, 13 years. So so ninety years ago, you went down in a coal mine and took a look at it. Yeah. And it's low coal, you call it. Low. So yeah. you eat real small walls, short. Yeah. So you had to kind of crotch down a yes. little bit. Yes, terrible. And, and so you went down there and thought, this life's not for me. That's right. And Grandpa Charlie spent his whole life down there. That's right. Man, he was a tough man, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, I could see that. And they're, they're right in the mines around here in Southern Illinois, that was the way of life at the time. Right. So what did you do after that? What what You came out of the mine and said, the mine's not for me. What, what did you decide to do? Go to school. Go to school. Were you, did you do well in school? Rather well. Did you go? Did you go to school out at Chittyville? Out in, in Chittyville. Yeah. Graduated eighth grade. And and then, then, then went to Heron High School. Heron High. Okay. And then after Heron High, somewhere toward the end of high school, you, we we would have gone into World War Two, right? Right. So, where were you in your high school college stuff when you got drafted? Did you get drafted or did you sign well, up? I was drafted. You were drafted. And so you got drafted. Were you were you done with high school? When yeah. you, got, you were done and that? you got drafted, so what, when you got drafted for World War II, where were we at? What was going on in the war, war when you got drafted? Were we already in the war? Were we kind of deep into it? Did you get called up right before it started? No, it was going pretty good. Going pretty, terrible. It was going terrible. If you'd have been in the coal mine, would they have drafted you? Would they have left you doing coal? Did, did, they, did they draft the coal miners? Some. Some basically, it was a necessary job. So coal miners would have been protected in general because they need to produce coal yeah, to run the right. plants. So, so would you, when you look back at it, 
Would you have let, rather gone back into the coal mine or would you have rather gone to the war? Go to the war. <laughs> oh, my. Really? Well, oh, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, think yeah. I would have too because I, I, everybody knows, well, if you don't know this, I'm extremely claustrophobic. There's no way I'm going down the low coal hole. Oh, I would much rather take my chance fighting the Germans. And I know that was no picnic either, but, but I couldn't live down in those holes. So no were way. there people that were protected from the draft during that war? Coal miners might be uh, farmers. Farmers were particular groups. Yeah, if if they were need, yes. I guess needed to, necessary to sustain. Yeah, maybe industrial, maybe engineers that ran like industrial, like like automotive plants became making tanks and stuff like that. Yeah, they would have left those people in place. So if you had a needed job that helped facilitate the war or maintain the food chain, you were probably protected. But you got drafted. Right. Did you get to pick where you wanted to go, or did they just stick you on what they wanted to stick you? They put you where they want to. <laughs> I saw your draft papers. I didn't put them in the show, but I could, I saw where your draft papers were and where you were drafted, and it basically said to any server, you know, it basically said just to whatever service chose. So you got the U.S. Army. That's correct? Yes. U.S. Army. And then you went to training, I guess, and, and were you married when you got drafted, or were you just getting ready to get married? Good question. You don't, you don't remember? <laughs> hey, at a hundred years, you have a right. So, so did you well, get? I did think you, he would had to get married because then Jerry was born. You got married because you because you had Jerry. J yeah, Mamie was pregnant with Jerry while you were white when you went off, right? Right. Right. Okay. So that's good. Good question. So my dad, how's dad? Dad, dad's about. 78, 79? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something Somewhere like that. Yeah. So, so you had dad. So that's about 78, 89 years ago. You went off to the Army. Where, where were you stationed? Where did you go in the military? Camp Stewart, Georgia. Camp Stewart, Georgia. And you were trained there. Yes. And uh, then you were shipped overseas. And where was your first deployment? You went over to Africa? In Africa, yeah. Your, your, your autobiography says you went, your first trip was to Casablanca. Right on. He, he tells the story in his autobiography. I love this. My grandpa says he was on the boat going going to Casablanca. That's Morocco, Tunisia, uh, Algeria, those kind of areas. He was going to northern part of Africa. And he says on the way there, they were on the boat, and they were actually showing them the movie Casablanca. Mm -hmm. And he never got to see the end of it because they had a U-boat get near their ship, and they had to extinguish the lights and the sound to hide from the U-boat. And so they turned off the lights. He never saw the end of the movie. And your memoirs say you just saw it, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Right. You went to Casablanca. You saw you saw the first part of the movie, and you didn't see the rest half till 70 years later. Right on. <laughs> Did the movie turn out good? That is not much of a movie as far as I'm concerned, really. Well, you didn't miss anything. No. 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 Did the U-boat find you guys? No. It didn't find you. Praise God for that. Um, so, so you went over to uh, Morocco. You were in Northern Africa. You were in the army. Uh, was your were you stationed with a certain battalion? What 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 general? What group? It was, it was a battalion. We were always sorry independent and be attached then to a division, but we were a battalion. And so, so would you were you be mostly with tank divisions and stuff like that in those days, or what kind of groups? Whatever you were assigned to, you would go to. But we were anti-aircraft. Anti-aircraft. Yeah. Did you Did you ever get a chance to see Patton? I hear Patton went to Africa too. George Patton, the famous no, general. No, no. no. He was. A, it was a big general. We see. He went to Africa with the yeah. tanks, and he went to Germany. I always want to. I want to see that. The 
there's a couple good pictures of Grandpa here. I want to want to show you this real quick here. Um, th this picture here is a picture of you, Grandpa, sitting next to a medic truck. Yeah, it's, a, it's that's Grandpa, I and mean, he looks good. He's like, I mean, he's a handsome dude. There's another picture of you driving a car, a big old black car with somebody in it. You're in military gear, and you're driving it. And there's hills and stuff. So I don't know if you're in Italy or where you're at in that. It looks like it could be Italy or someplace. And then there's another great picture of you with five other deployed men on one of the hats. It has Sammy. It says one guy's name's Hill. One guy's name's Sammy. And then one guy's name, it looks like McCann or something like that. And there's some other guys there. It looks like some of the guys you served with. Uh, that looks like probably over at a local fort, maybe when you were in, in uh, here. But these are great pictures. Here's another Here's another one of Grandpa. Grandpa's got um, another great picture. Beth and I saw this one. It's a you sitting in the Italian Alps. Do you remember that picture of you up on the hill, the Italian Alps? Oh. He's done so much stuff, he doesn't remember the best things he's done. Isn't that great? And there's another picture of him with two other service guys. Grandpa's the guy in the middle. He's a small guy in the middle. Another picture of him in his gear on the right in front of a barracks there as well. So just some good shots of you in Italy. What what how, when you had to go to war and deployment and all that stuff? How, how did you? How, I know you. I know you started teaching Sunday school at 17 years yeah. of age. Yeah. How did you handle being drafted and then going into war? People were hurting each other you know, to try to grab power and authority. How did you maintain your faith through the process of, of being drafted and pulled away from whatever you wanted to do in your life, from, from the birth of your son, Jerry? How did you handle being pulled away, pushed into this world war? How, how did your faith carry you through that process? I had a good faith, and the military was good to me. Uh, they would go send me to any church service that I wanted to go. A lot of times they'd give me a, a truck, that's all they had, to, and I'd drive wherever the service was. So the Army took good care of me as a, a religious person. Did you go to just Army services, or did you go to local services of other people? No, Army services. Army services. Mm -hmm. And were they real good about, in those days, were people able to express their faith? in the army and, and share their faith in Christ openly? Yes. Today it's a lot more guarded today. You know, you know, they can go to the chaplain, but the chaplain today it has to represent all faiths. And if somebody comes yeah. up that's into witchcraft or Satanism or this or that, they kind of have to be a chaplain to all people. They're more of a counselor these days. But in those days, people unapologetically had faith in Christ, had faith in God and really trusted in the Lord. Is that true? Right on. Wow, that's amazing. And so you got a chance to go to church. You maintain your faith. I, I can't imagine all the things you experienced and saw. You went to North Africa, correct? Yes. You started in Africa. And then eventually you, you were re, re, relocated. Where did you go after you finished the battles in Africa? You pushed Na the Germans out. Naples. So Germ did you leave yeah. Africa because the Germans were finished there pretty much? Yeah. You guys pretty much defeated them. Yes. Okay. And then you went to Naples, Italy, Italy yes. being our home country. Yes. You know, when, when you got to Italy, did you knock on the door of the king and said, the Benettones are back. <laughs> no way. I think you should have knocked on the door and said, we're back. And he would have said, oh, you're the family that renounced me. So you weren't nervous about that. So you were back in Italy. You landed in Naples. Yes. I didn't know that. So that's something I've learned. So that could that could explain, actually, Beth. Um, that could explain. Let me, let me switch pictures here. That could explain this picture. Uh, that picture of that car could be Naples. Mm-hmm. 
It could easily be Naples. Naples has got Mount Vesuvius and the hills by it. Right. And those hills look about like where we've been. We've been on that road, on the coastal road. There's a picture here in an army car. I would love to know where that is. It has no designation on it. Do you remember where you were driving that? That car? Yeah. The war was over when... Praise God. When I... And just pick that car up. You just pick the car up. Really? You, okay, Grandpa. You just side of the road. You, you jacked the car. Let's just be honest with you. <laughs> well, so no. just stuff was left everywhere. Yeah. Really, yeah. it was just there. But it needed a, a battery. So you found a battery. And I found a battery, and it started. Uh, it, started. Where were you when you found the car? Were, were you in Italy someplace? Yes. And you drove it back. Where'd you drive it to? Back to Naples. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great looking ride. But yeah. then the army or the government said, no more. You can't have this stuff. So we had to turn it in. <laughs> Probably some general got it and drove it around after that. That's a, who, Who's in the car with you? Some friend? That I can't answer. You can't remember? No. But just somebody that was riding along with you trying to get back. Were you just trying to get back to the ships to get back home? <laughs> no. You, no. Were you on hold over there waiting to see what they were going to do with you? Oh, yes. So it, you told me the other day, I didn't know this, but Grandpa said that when they finished the Germans off and the war was over, he said that they he didn't get to just go home. No. They put them on hold because they weren't sure whether they were going to send them to Japan next. Right on. So they were thinking they would have to go to Japan next. Hmm. And then, of course, we know that ultimately the president decided to drop the two bombs and that broke the, broke the will of the, the Japanese emperor and that war was over. And we were glad. And you were glad. At that yeah. time. Because we knew we were ready to go to you Japan. Were, you were going to be heading to Japan next, yeah. and that would have been a heck of a boat ride. Right. Yeah, that would have been that would have been terrible. So it was a huge decision. So when they talk about um, the decision to use the bomb, and you know it was devastating, but at the same time it saved millions of lives. Right. Uh, gosh, can you just imagine? Uh, my grandpa's, you know, we're here because that decision was made, I guess, obviously, because, I mean, he was the lone male that could have, you know, Children and descendants. So, so when you, you know, the emperor, we talk, him and I were talking coming to the studio today, that the one of the generals for the Japanese army before they attacked Pearl Harbor, they kind of told the emperor, "Don't do it. If we do this, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wake a sweet sleeping giant." basically and they did and of course we engaged the Japanese. You know, you know we we were talking about today in the car. What if? They had not attacked us. You know, we we may have stayed out of the Asian War. We may have just said, ah, oh, that's their problem. We've had enough of the Germans. And, you know, the world could look different today. But then they attacked us. And Grandpa said, well, there's no use figuring that out. They did it, and that's where we are. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, the emperor took bad advice. And next thing you know, the emperor was embarrassed, and he had to, he he basically was humiliated. And, and, and he yielded, and he recognized the superiority of America. So I don't know when the Japanese attacked America, whether they were realizing they're a small islander people, and they were attacking a nation that goes more than 3,000 miles across with lots of people in it. I, we were trying to figure out how in the world did they think they could occupy it, you know? But in your mind, you know, you know, you just power corrupts and you do things and, and war is terrible. Uh, t tell me about some of the opportunities you had, you know, in, during the war to connect with people and where your faith kind of kept you through it during the battles, during your work as a, what did you do in the military? I was a medic. You were a medic. And were you trained medically? How did you get? How did you get picked as a medic? On one of the questionnaires, they asked what you'd done, and I'd gone to some classes on medicine for the coal miners, which they taught the coal miners. And I went as a kid to the, this class, and so I had a little bit of background of 
bones and first aid. Hmm. So they so, need, needed whatever they could and, and get. They, so basically, you had you had some coal miner training as a kid, right? And they go, well, here's a warm one. He would be the best for a medic. Right. And then they gave you some additional training, I guess. Oh yeah, then yeah. they sent me to school, so, so, actually to the hospital, and you went every day, all day long. And what they do teach you how to stop bleeding and help yes. people get stabilized. Yes, move? yes. Did did you do much of that in the war? Were you engaged? Did you see people injured and hurt? Everything you saw everything, but uh, fortunately, sometimes it uh, didn't bother you. But at least you were trained. You were trying to help people yeah. and trying to help them. Yeah, right on. Did, 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 were, were you in the middle of any of the battles that went on? Did it get pretty hairy from time to time? Yes, yes. Well, in those times, did, were you able to your faith in Christ, your faith in God, was that able to give you some comfort? Were you able to support people and each other through that time? What got you through those? moments when you're seeing people lose their lives you're seeing people devastatedly injured you've got life and death there how, how do you cope with those times we don't deal with a lot of that today we deal with like people feel like their life's going to end when their social media account gets hacked or they or they or they have a bad hair day how do you and we think we have it tough but how did you get through those days well i had a strong faith it things would get better god would take care of me and he did so I'm still here. You're still here. Yeah. Do, you're still here doing very well, Grandpa. It's just a matter of living life right. Now, when you were a medic, uh, so you were attached to different battalions, uh, different groups of people. You met lots of different people from the war. Were you mostly with people from Southern Illinois, Illinois area, or did it get completely mixed up? It's mixed up. It's mixed up. A lot, a lot around New Jersey, New York. So you, you had to deal with a bunch of those New York and New Jersey. Did they do that because you were an Italian? They thought you could put up with them? <laughs> I don't know. Did you see a lot of Italians in, in the war? Saw some. Some. What did the Italian people think when, when the Americans came into Italy and then the liberation of Italy from, from Germany? How did that go? Well, they liked us. They, <laughs> they liked, liked us. We came in. Well, you know, the, the Italy's been controlled by everybody, you know, through their ear. Everybody in, in history has taken over Italy. And yeah. in Italy, as long as you let the wine go and you can have siesta in the afternoon, more or less the Italians are kind of, hey, it's okay. But the Germans were very, very harsh to the Italians. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I, I, the Italians did not fare well with the Germans. They didn't play well. Mm -hmm. So when they left, did, did, how long did it take the Italians to begin to be excited about the Americans winning the war over there? I can't answer that. I don't know. <laughs> did they celebrate? Were they excited yeah. when the war's done? Yeah. So, so you stayed in Naples a little longer. You eventually came back to the United States. So they eventually said, Japan's done. You can go home. I was, uh, we left Naples and went on up to Switzerland. Okay. Uh, so we got to visit all, some of the major cities. No fighting there. The war was over. But we got to visit and see historical places from Rome on up to the Swiss border. That's just amazing. That's just mm -hmm. amazing. Now, now, what I want to come to in, in, in part two here is, is I want to ask you this real real seriously grandpa you, you've been teaching sunday school since you were 17 years old yes you taught class up into your 90s we literally taught sunday school class into his 90s he's been a member his whole life of the heron methodist church and just a just just been a great person doing that i've been in his classes as a kid um, my faith is inspired i got involved with church because my grandparents took me to church 
when I would come visit them. And when they would come to Memphis where I grew up, they, they got me connected to church there. So, so my faith today is highly connected to, to them attaching me. Uh, there's a lot of people uh, you've, you've, you've walked with over the years in your faith. W- what has it been like teaching uh, people about Christ? since you were 17. So that's over, that's over 80 years. Uh, it's been a part of that. You've been through the Bible a few times. Yes. What, what's the general thing that, that you think is important about the study of the Bible and helping people come to know their faith and their faith in Christ? I can't, I can't answer that. I don't. Yeah. But I mean, what, what's been your goal? What's been, wh- why have you done it? What's your motivation? What's been your motivation to teach well, that I, long? I wanted everybody to know God or go to heaven. Amen. So So you, so it's a good investment of your time. Now, when we come back in part two here, we're going to keep going here in a minute, but in part two, grandpa, we want to look at when you came back and, 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 and your, and how you transitioned, uh, by faith, you got through the war and you come back and the war actually, you'll find out in part two here, the war kind of becomes an opportunity for you to change the trajectory of your life and i would say the life of the benetones and so we'll talk about that here in part two